Good morning, church. Man, what a good day. What an what a exciting way to start off our service. You know, it's just, uh, we've got so many people have been baptizing in the earlier service, and now it's just logistically we had to move things around and, and shorten other things. And man, that's, that's a problem I'm glad we have. You know, there's a lot of churches that don't have that problem is that we're baptizing so many people. We've got to find ways to, to, to make the service work and the time frame that we use. Man, I'm sure glad we got it. And I'm, uh, I'm thankful for it. We're going to do it again in a couple of weeks. Uh, I know there's a lot of y'all who are still looking to, uh, to make that step in your faith. We're super excited about it. So if I haven't met you, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship Church. Uh, we're glad that you're here. If you're new here, you are just barely catching the, the very end of a series of sermons we've been doing uh, called Promised, where we walked through the book of Joshua. And so this week, we finally get to the end of that. This is, it's been going on all summer, and we're getting to the last one. And so here in this end, we have Joshua, who's been the leader of uh, God's people during this time, into the promised land. And so this is his kind of farewell. This is the very, this is the last really things he has to say. Um, you know, uh, Pastor Byron mentioned last time, that, that, and, it, and several times in this uh, chapter 2, that Joshua's like really old. Like it just keeps saying how old he is. And so here at the end, this is sort of the, his last uh, hoorah before uh, we, see, we don't really see him anymore. And so I was been thinking this week about things that, that end um, and, and the things when we do something for the last time. And there's, there's a lot of things that we do for the last time, and we don't realize it's the last time we do it. Have you ever thought about that? Like at some point, you're going to have done something you do all the time. You'll, you'll have done it for the last time and not realize that was the last time you're going to do it. And so, you know, uh, uh, one that I see online all the time that just tries to make all the parents cry is like you're going to pick up your baby, your child one time, and you're going to put them down, and that is the last time you ever do it, right? And it's just like, oh, why would you bring that up? That's terrible. Like, uh, like, like uh, that we've crossed that line with ours. Like, ours are enormous. I mean, I, I may could, but they're, they're probably better at picking me up at this point. And so there's, there's things like that, but there's also some silver lining, like, uh, we, we, for the last time, have already woken up in the middle of the night and changed a dirty diaper, right? That we're, we're done with that. Like, we've done that for the last time. I don't remember when that was, the last time it was, but we're done uh, until, you know, grandkids get here one day. So I'm looking forward to that again. Uh, but those other things, you know, uh, for students, it'll be your last test, your last paper you turn in. That'll be like, yeah, yeah, the last one, right? So there's exercise, for those of you who do those kind of things, you know, you'll have run your last mile. At one point, you're, you're just going to say, I'm done. Why would I run if no one's even chasing me? Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm done. I've run my last mile uh, or done my last push-up, you know. And so for uh, those who are a little older, you, you know this, is that you got up and went to work for the last time before you retired. You probably remember that day. And it's just like, I'm done. Clock out. See ya. I'm out of here. I'm getting out of here. Uh, so that, that's a, an exciting time, uh, I'm sure. Um, but so we all had these last ones, and, and there will come a day where we, we inhale and exhale our very last time as well. That, that, that day is coming for all of us. And on that day, 
our, our ability to influence the people around us to, in new ways will have been over, right? So every way that you're going to make an impact on someone, everything you're going to do or not do, like that, that list of things is, is stopped right there. And so I think that's kind of where we find Joshua. He's like, hey, let me just give you one last word. Very Moses-like. Moses did the same thing um, in, the, in the previous book where it's just like one last farewell speech to you guys. And a lot of it's like remembers, like reminding. You've heard a lot of these things before. Let me just remind you. And so he kind of starts off talking about, you know, that uh, God's brought you into this promised land. He's, he's given you victory. He's brought you out of Egypt. He brought you to the wilderness. He, he's done all these things for you. And that's what we're going to pick up here in the book of Joshua. So let's read what he says, starting in verse 6 of Joshua chapter 23. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen, but also there's some little black ones in your chairs that look a lot like this. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. If you would meet uh, Pastor Jeff out there in the New Here Circle, we would love to put one in your hands. Um, but if you want to use those for today, it's on page 185 um, if you want to follow along or it'll be on the screen. So in 23, verse 6, it says this, Therefore... Be very strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations uh, remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow unto them, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised you. And so this is going to be one of those sermons uh, where um, I'm, I'm really just giving you back what the text says. Like there's, there's not a whole lot of clever sayings or phrases here. And, and it's just like... Uh, I've come to this realization at this point in my, in my preaching. And so for any aspiring preachers or teachers out here, I'll give you this advice. Study your passage really, really well, and your, your message, your lesson will kind of just teach itself, right? And so if you really understand what it says, and so you're going to see some things. It's like, he's just telling us what it says. I'm like, hey, that's all I got. That's all I got. I really just have God's word, and so I'm giving it back to you. Uh, so with that in mind, so this comes straight from verse 6. I'm ripping off Joshua here. Be very strong to keep what is written. Be very strong to keep what is written. The saying that, that they needed to hear, we need to hear as well. And so what's written in God's word. Now for them, they just had just these, what we know as these first five books of the Bible, right? The five books of the law. And so that's what, that's what he's referring to, you know? And so uh, they're, they're, they're called to keep these things and, and, and be very strong to keep them. And that's interesting because we don't normally associate strength with keeping what's in God's word, right? That we don't necessarily always make that connection, but it's important. He says, be very strong. Be very strong. We need to be very strong to keep what's written because there's elements that are pulling us in all kind of other directions. It calls for strength. What does that mean? What does that look like? He continues. He says, neither turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Do not turn right or left. Don't turn left or right. There's this, this straight middle that is God's word, and we have a tendency to fall or turn 
left or right. And that, that could mean a lot of things. I think one of the ways that we do this is we may turn and take what God's word says, what the scriptures say, and add to it. We may add to what God's word says. So here's God's standard. Here's what he says. Don't go beyond this. Do these things. Don't do these things. And may say, I've, I think I'm going to add to that. I'm going to take your standard and I'm going to raise it up. That's rain, y'all. I'm like, I'm, I hear it. If you're, if you're listening online, you probably don't hear it. But I was like, that's not the air conditioner, is it? No, that's the rain. Insert witty connection to the sermon and the rain. And let's assume, assume I did it. Uh, so we're going to talk about God's standard. That's, I can almost not hear myself. It is raining. I better go tie my truck down. Man, I, I, I want to just sit here and talk about Noah. Let's back up. Let's go Genesis <laughs> 6. But it calls for strength to keep God's standard. And so sometimes we want to add to it and say, here's what God says, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to add to it. And sometimes that's, that's a pride thing. Like, I, I, like uh, here's what God said, I'm going, to, I'm going to do even better. And we think we're helping or we're, we're sometimes raising our game. And, and what we're doing is, is saying, I, I think I know a little better than God. And typically that happens is there's another area of God's standards where we've been lax that we don't want to deal with, that's hard for us, and we'll neglect it and instead make ourselves feel better by piling it on a spot that's a little easier for us. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right, which is also a problem in our society where we want to take what's in God's word and say, not this, not this. Like, there is pressure on us to not subscribe to what God says is right and wrong. You feel that? You feel that. I know you feel that. When you're at work, when you're at school, some of you in your very homes, you feel that, that tugging, that pressure to not obey and believe the things of God. Don't turn from it. Don't turn from it. And, and sometimes it's like a societal pressure. Sometimes it's just an internal desire. Like, I, I don't really want to do this, God. Let's just pretend that's not there for a little while. It says, be very strong to not turn left and not turn right. He continues in verse 7. Don't turn left or right, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you. We don't want to mix. We don't want to blend in. We do not want to blend in. Do not let yourself blend in with the nation around you, with the world around you. That we, we should follow God's word so carefully, so closely, so, sometimes so radically that we stand out. And I know that's the opposite of what we want. We really want to blend in. We really want to mix in with everybody at school, with everybody at work, with our neighbors, with our friends. We, we really don't want to stand out from them. And there's that pressure to be weak and to blend in. Joshua's saying, don't. Be strong. You're meant to stand out. If we were to go back and look at these, these first five books, like there's, there's some of these like really obscure laws in it, like about what to, things, weird things to not eat or not wear or not to do on the Sabbath, right? And some of this is, uh, is, is like a reflective of God's moral character. And some of it's really just intended to make them stand out. So you will be obvious to the world around you that you are different. That's actually a good thing. That's actually a good thing. 
There are times where the world's morals and ethics will line up with God's. And in during those times, they will praise us for, for our morality as believers. And then there's times where they're not. And in those times, they will criticize us. And that's when we'll stand out. We're called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might, and to love your neighbor as yourself in such a radical way that we stand out. Be very careful to keep all that's written, to not turn left or right, to not blend in. And so thinking about being strong, I think of it kind of like this. So I brought this little weight from my house. It's not that dusty. It's pretty dusty. Um, but, you know, I, I tried to pick one out that was, like, big enough where I would, like, you wouldn't think I was a child, but not so big where I'm going to struggle in front of y'all. So I went with 20. <clears throat> and so, you know, what's funny is, like, I find, no offense to anybody, maybe a little bit of offense, uh, if people who, sometimes people who work out, like, they really want you to know they work out, right? It's like, hey, I'm Joe, I work out. You know, it's just like one of the, some of those times, and it's like, uh, congratulations, I don't, that's not relevant what we're talking about. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm maybe being one of those people right now who doesn't work out. Anyway, uh, so whenever people exercise and, and, and work out, there's, there's kind of two different mentalities. One, um, I think it's a little more common, is that we would say, um, I, I, want, I want my whole body to be fit, or this is less common. The probably more common way is I'm really concerned about just a few spots, right? And girls, I don't know as much what it is for you, but I can tell you what it is for boys, okay? Here's what we care about. We, this, is, this is important to us, is our biceps, our triceps, our shoulders, and our chest. That's what's important to a lot of us, and because these are what gets noticed and appreciated, right? And so I had a college student one time who told me, gave me a, a term that I think is good. He says, these are called mirror muscles. These are the muscles you want to show up when you look in the mirror. And this is why you're doing it, right? And so this is why, you know, as a guy who would sit there and just pump out curls. Just like, I want that bicep. I want everybody to see it. Because if, if I work out and nobody knows I work out, what's the point? What's the point, right? They need to see some things happening here, right? I don't want people to be aware and be impressed. He is just muscular and all these things. All the while, you know, I've got a gut and I've got pencil legs, right? I'm skipping leg day by conviction. I'm religiously skipping leg day uh, so that I can just work on mirror muscles, right? And so uh, I, th I think that that is a common temptation. Uh, and definitely among guys, girls, you have your areas. Uh, I won't point those out uh, for safety reasons, uh, but, but I can point out ours, right? And so guys, uh, you know, you're, you're laughing like he's so crazy, but you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And so I think we do a very similar thing in our efforts to be strong, to keep what's written in God's Word. Like there are certain activities we can do where we get a lot of credit, where everyone sees. And if people don't see me doing these things, it's not as valuable to me. Right? So an example, I'll pick on us since we're all here, right, is, is showing up at church. Now, I'm not saying like this is a bad, just like curls, doing curls is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But if that's the majority of our experience in being strong, we're missing out tremendously. 
There are things that, that you can do that everyone's going to see, everyone's going to appreciate, that everyone's going to know about. And, and, and some of these are really, really good things. You not necessarily need to stop doing these things. But are you doing also the things that no one knows about? Are you doing the other things? Are you, are you spending time in prayer, just you and the Lord? Are you spending time just you and the Lord in his word? Are you, are, you, are you giving up your resources anonymously and being generous with the things of God? Nobody's writing you thank you notes necessarily for these things, right? Are you investing in the least of these, the ones who really don't have the capacity to thank you for giving of yourself or sacrificing? Let's not just be mere muscle Christians. Let's be fully fit or being strong in the ways of the Lord that everybody may not typically won't be able to appreciate and even realize. And when we do this, this is an incredible verse that's really just stuck with me. Um, Ever since I came across it, verse 10, one man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. When we are strong in the Lord, he's fighting for us, and we're clinging to his word, we can put a flight a thousand because he's with us. Let me tell you this. Don't be afraid. Don't back down when it's a thousand to one odds. Take that on. Take that on. Take on a thousand to one odds when you're doing the things for the Lord. He's going to lead you to do some things that are hard, that are almost certainly going to fail. And this is, this is the, the life he calls us into. It's not a boring, it's not a sleep through things. It's not a play it safe. It's a risk it all faith. And he invites you to do it. And he says, I'm going to be the one who fights for you. I just want you to be obedient and trust me. That's what faith is. I can tell you this, this church wouldn't be here if there wasn't some people willing to take on thousand to one odds. Who are the people in your life who need you to do something that's a little bit risky, that's, that may fail, that may not go perfectly? Man, we can't play it safe in our faith all the time. That's why it gets boring. That's why it gets stale. If all the only things we really try to do are the small things that we could probably do whether God helps us or not, then that's all we're going to accomplish. Man, there's some people here who would say, I want to just try something wild that will definitely fail unless God intervenes and makes it succeed. I want to see some of that. I think God's calling us to it. Or one of you can put the flight a thousand. Because it's not dependent on us. God's going to fight for us. Be very strong to keep all that's written. <clears throat> Second half, starting in verse 11. We get another be very statement. It says, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them, that you will associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they will be a snare and a trap for you and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. Next in your notes, say, be very careful to love the Lord. Be very careful to love the Lord. 
Because in our, to, to, to follow Christ, to be a believer, it's not just a list of tasks. It's not just a bunch of check boxes that you get to make sure you do or you're out. There, there are religions that do work that way. And in fact, pretty well all of them. You do enough of these good things, you're in. If you don't, you're out. That is not our faith. Our faith is that we love God. He, he loves us first and he, he draws us in. And because of this love for him, outflows all these good activities that we do to, to honor him and to love him and to serve him. That's why we celebrate when people are obedient in baptism. It's one of the things that pleases God and so it pleases us. And so loving the Lord is important. It's not just, I gotta just do these things. Whenever we do it without, without a desire and a love for the Lord, man, it just becomes boring and duty and, and begrudged submission and something that we just, we burn out and it's not fun and we don't love it. There's another way. That's another way. To grow in your affections for the Lord in such a way that you can't help but go and do the things you used to not want to do. You can't help but get away from the things that he's called evil and sinful. Comes from the inside out. Be very careful to love the Lord your God. And that's the thing that we grow in, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a growth thing. And so, like I can say, if you've been married for a while, you, you, you know this, that your love for your spouse, you, you think when you get married initially that you're just at 100%, like you're maxed out. And then the longer you're married, the more you realize, I didn't really even hardly know what love was. I can say I'm definitely more in love now than I've ever been. I got, like that, my love for my wife, my love for Jamie has, has grown tremendously, right? That's an affection that you fan. That's an affection that you, you invest into. So it is with our love for the Lord. So uh, in, in, our, in our office, right across the way there, um, I have developed a reputation, unfairly says I, of a coffee hog, like not, a, not like a connoisseur who's just like fancy coffees, but just, just a, a pit that just gets rid of coffee in the office, right? Um, but I, I, haven't, I haven't really liked coffee for most of my life. So it was really in seminary in my, in my 30s or so that I just became where I needed it, right? Uh, if you've been there, you know. And it, it kind of started off with like the least coffee drink that they make at Starbucks was Frappuccinos. Where are my Frappuccino people at? Some fraps. If you don't know, it's just ice cream with a little bit of coffee flavoring in it. <laughs> you drink through a straw. And so that, that was, that's what I want. I was like, I don't really want a lot of coffee flavor. I, I tolerated coffee flavor. Didn't really care for it. Eventually, I was like, I'm getting fat and getting poor buying these things. I need, to, I need to change it up and swap to lattes, which are still pretty sweet. From there, coffee with milk and sugar. From there, just milk. And I'm like, I'm pretty good. It would be cool to just be a black coffee guy, you know, but I couldn't quite do it. And then I got COVID, and I lost all my taste buds. So I couldn't taste anything. Like, any coffee tasted like hot water, really. And so I would just make it as thick and as, as rich as I could just to get a little taste. And then slowly my taste buds started coming back and I was like, I guess I'm a black coffee drinker now. Um, and so it's just one of those things that I just, I just thoroughly enjoy, especially like if it's in the office, just sitting there 
I'm not just going to sit at my desk and work without drinking coffee like some kind of animal. No. No, I'm, I might as well, you know. And so this, this growth, man, I think the things that we love in life, they aren't nearly as instantaneous love as we assume. But where we invest our attention and what we value and what we practice, we grow to love. Wouldn't it be so much better if the things that you're trying to make yourself do that you hate, if you love to do them? If you love to do the things, Lord, the things he's calling you to do that are scary, and you're like, I can't possibly do this. This is terrifying. I can't. That's for somebody else. Just, God, don't call me to do this. If it was, I love doing this. He's in the process of softening and changing our hearts and changing our desires. Lean into that. Be very careful to love the Lord your God. And he says this in verse 12. For if you turn back, don't turn back. Do not turn back. Because you have affections and desires in your flesh and your heart for the person you used to be. And that's a, it's a constant desire. Our flesh and our spirit are in constant conflict, so we oftentimes we don't do the things we want to do. Keep fighting to not turn back. Keep fighting to not be like the person God says you're not anymore. You're still, you're still feeling it, but you're driving those affections away. Being very careful. Because, because. Also in verse 12, if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations, and he continues uh, down to 13. There will be whips on your sides and thorns in your eyes. Don't cling to thorns. Don't cling to thorns. These things that we used to love and chase and desire, they are terrible for us. They are bad for your soul. Like the Bible talks about, like, this is deadly. Like it's just your sin that you're, in, that you're enticed with wants nothing but death and destruction and pain in your life. And it personifies it like it's a murderer, wants to kill you, or it talks about it like a lion that's prowling around looking, looking to kill you. Your sin works like that. Let's see it for what it is. Like, like a thorns that we, we we're tempted, it's got a few berries on it. And so we just want to grab these thorns and cling to them because it looks sweet. And we realize that it's terrible for us and it, it makes us bleed. And that berry that looks sweet is actually bitter. Let's not forget that. And you have these desires. I have these desires, right? We have these. We can acknowledge that. Like, I don't always want to do what Jesus wanted to do. I want to want that, but typically I wrestle back and forth. Let's spur one another on to good works and to love the things of God, not the, not the things we used to love back when we were the person we used to be. And God's drawing you along. Let your affections develop. We would be very careful to love. We would not turn back. We would not cling to thorns. So in, in, as we kind of close today, and I think about the book of Joshua, I think about some of the, the people in this book, and we saw ourselves in this book. If you've been around, it's, it's, it's easy to see yourself in it at different times, right? To some of us, it's, it's 
going and fighting some kind of spiritual battle that he calls you to where you're outnumbered and you're facing these, these gigantic foes. Some of it's, it's like I, I saw myself in Rahab who, who was unworthy but, but went in and got rescued and, and, and pulled out and, and brought to be part of his family. Some of us with some of these tribes who are waiting to receive their inheritance. And we can see ourselves over and over and over again. And so there's, there's Joshua himself who I think about who I think has a, a strong connection with the Lord Jesus. So uh, Pastor Jonathan preached several weeks ago on this, this encounter that Joshua has before he goes and fights this, this battle of Jericho, right? And he, it's this, this person with a sword, and he says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army, and he, he bows and worships him there, right? So this is significant, and that this is a person who he worships, so that's worship's only for God alone, but it's also a person in human form that, that, that kind of really all signs point to this being some unusual pre-incarnate Christ, right? Perhaps. Not definitely, but I think, I think it's plausible that Joshua and Christ had this conversation on this hillside looking at at Jericho, and what that, what that would have been like. You see, Jesus wasn't like a last-minute idea. It's like, oh, I'm out of ideas. Send in God the Son. I guess we'll try that. Jesus was, was the plan for a long time. We can see that all the way back in Genesis. He's hinting, hinting at it, building up toward it. Uh, just him, him sort of coming up in, in a lot of times subtle ways and more and more clear ways as we get closer to the New Testament. But you know, for Joshua, Joshua is a Hebrew word, a Hebrew name, right? You know how to say Joshua, how they transliterated it in Greek, which was Jesus' day, was Jesus, which we would say Jesus. So I think in their conversation, um, and they're, they're talking, and Jesus tells them, you know, Joshua, I really like that name. I'm at the... We may see that come up again later. So this name means the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. So when we see Joshua doing some things, I think maybe we should see Christ in that as well. A foreshadowing of what Christ would do. He would fight our battles. He would lead his people. He would be salvation. So for some of us, I hope that we put our hearts and minds on Christ as we think about this book of Joshua. And he's calling out to you. He's welcoming you in. But you've got a story. You've got some mess in your life. He's not surprised by that. He's seen it before. He's seen worse. And he's a healer. He wants to be a father to you. I'm going to invite us to do something a little different to, to, to wrap up today. So I'm going to invite us to respond. We're not going to stand and, and sing to end, but I want to pray for specific people in the room. And so I want to ask maybe if some of the things we talked about today, uh, would, you would say, yeah, that, that's me. 
and, what, and I'm going to get you to, to raise your hand, and that's it, and I'm going to just keep your hand raised, and I'm going to pray for you, okay? I'm not going to embarrass you, get you to do anything. And so um, go ahead and just for distraction's sake, and just let's go ahead and close our eyes, bow our heads for a minute. And so if you'd say, this is me, pray for me, um, you slip your hand up. If, if you would say, uh, I need, what I need is to be strong to follow what was written in God's Word. Like I'm having trouble. There's some things that are, that are in there that I'm, I'm just having trouble following, having trouble holding to. Just hold your hand up for a minute. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Just put them up. That's good. I'm going to pray for you all right now. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, these people who have their hands up, God, I pray that your word would, would cut to the quick, Lord, it would call out to us and we would hear from you loud and clear. God, I pray we would see you in your written word. God, you would help us to be strong, to be strong and courageous, to not turn to the left or to the right, and we would follow you in such a way that makes us stand out from the world around us. God, would you have us to cling to your word, to value it, to pursue it, to know it, to obey it. It's in Jesus' name. Pray, amen. With the heads bowed still, I'm going to call up to another group. You would say, my affections for the Lord aren't what they should be. Say, I, I, I need, I would like to be, I want to be more careful to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, and strength. Would you pray for me? Would you, if that's you, say, yeah, pray for me. I feel com- competition in my heart to prioritize other things above the Lord. Pray for me. I pray for you, dear Father in heaven. God, would you, would you turn our eyes to you? Help us to see your wonder and your grandeur. For everyone whose hand is up, God, I ask that you will, you will soften their hearts and help us to, to appreciate you for the treasure that you are. Or would the things of this world grow dim in your light? Help us to foster this affection for you. The things that we do in our pursuit of you aren't just duty but they're a joy. Help us to recall the joy of our salvation. It's in your name I pray. We got one more group I want to invite to respond. And so for this group, I don't want to just pray for you. I want to pray with you. If you would say, I need the Lord to be my salvation. I saw these people getting baptized who put their faith in Christ. And I'm not sure that that's true of me. I need Jesus to become my Lord and my Savior from my sin. And I want to lead you in a prayer asking him to do exactly that. That he would take you from being an an outsider, being lost, being an orphan, to being his very child. You would say, I want to pray that prayer with you, Joe. Slip your hand up, and we're going to pray together. And you pray in your heart something like this. Say, dear Father in heaven, would you forgive all of my sin? Would you let Jesus' sacrifice on the cross apply to my sin? 
Would you be the Lord of my life from now on? It's in Jesus my prayer. Amen. Amen. Excellent. So listen, we're fixing to close our service, but I want to invite you to say out loud to someone else what God has done and has spoken to you. Okay, so we're gonna, I'm going to be out in the lobby. We're going to have people in our, our new here circle. Dude, say, hey, listen, I prayed to be saved, or I feel God calling me to take on a thousand to one odds somewhere, or I need to grow in my affections for him or in holding to what's written. Man, if we say it out loud, then we're really taking steps. Okay? All right, so I want you to respond whenever we close. Amen? We can do that? Amen. Okay, so I want to share... Uh, one thing with you as well um, before before we get out of here. So uh, we we just again, my mind is, is just blown. My heart is full. All these baptisms. We're gonna have to start like a towel drive next week uh, for for all these all these towels here. Um, but that that in a lot of ways is a result of our next gen ministries. So uh, some of y'all here, you were you were at. Uh, kids camp, you were at middle school camp, you were at high school camp, you are at VBS, and your investment, this is the fruit of that. Like even if you were like not, not directly involved, your service, if it was in the parking lot, if it was cleaning up after, if it were, uh, I'm, I'm counseling kids, that's an investment. And that's what God's bringing fruit out of, Right? Also, we talk about giving sometimes here because, you know, we can over-talk about it and some, sometimes, you know, churches can do that. But your financial gifts, this, this, God is using. God is using your faithfulness with what he's giving you to continue in this mission to bring Christ to Ascension Parish and beyond. So let's continue to be faithful there. So uh, on, on Sundays, y'all may not know this, like, they're, they're averaging 200-plus children down, down the hallway. Like in there, and they're kind of in different rooms. Sometimes it's hard to appreciate. But that's wild. Like, that's crazy that there's that many kids there. But if there's that many kids, we got to have a lot of volunteers. And, uh, man, some of you are just so faithful. Um, a lot of our students are so faithful. And uh, so Rachel asked if, if uh, we could sort of uh, invite people who may be interested to, to come and help out, right? And so we've got a QR code. If you are at all maybe interested, let's do this all together. Just pull your phone out, go to your pictures, or go to your camera, rather. Put it on the QR code. It'll take you to a link where you can fill out the application. <clears throat> and so uh, we, need, we need leaders of all shapes and sizes. Uh, but one thing that we're particularly missing is, is, is adult men. Adult men, the vast majority of the guys we have down the hallway are students. You hear that, men? That's, that's a call to us. And some of, those, some of those young boys, they need some men in their life who will say, I'm going to take responsibility here. And some of y'all, God is specifically calling now to do that. Would you answer? Would you respond? And you're probably going to have the time of your life doing it. Just a heads up. Okay? So uh, let's make sure we respond. If God spoke to you some way, definitely let's respond as well to our 
kids ministry and all the fruit we're seeing there is an exciting thing. And so I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to go make sure the rain has quit and, uh, and enjoy our Sunday. Okay, let's pray together. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for how you've revealed yourself and, and opened our eyes and ears to hear from your words. We've gone through the book of Joshua this summer. God, I pray you would help us to uh, be careful and to love you and be strong to follow and keep what's written. God, help us to stand out. Help us to not turn from it. Help us to not turn back. Help our hearts not to be divided, but to be uh, just concentrated on you. Lord, if there's any people here who don't know you, Lord, I pray that you would draw them in. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.